time lapse, everybody. Your future self says, stock up on Thin Mints. The shortage is going to be a killer. I'm Dan Manning. And I'm Misha Stanton. Today we have a treat for you. We're doing Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Ooh. Dirk Gently was actually suggested to us by you, the fans. Yeah, it was really nice because I had wanted to watch Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and I was just sort of looking for an excuse. And then a few of our fans said, oh, you guys should do it for Time Lapse Season 2. And I went, oh, there's time travel? Fantastic. Yeah, it's not necessarily evident from the outside of the show, but there's definitely time travel in it, and it's discussed in the plot, so y'all can shove it. Uh, Though, to be fair, we are going to be talking major spoilers for the whole show. There's no real easy way to talk about time travel without spoiling everything. I mean, time travel is only one small part of the grander story that is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which is part of what I love about it, Mm -hmm. but... The time travel is sort of key to the plot, at least of the first season. I mean, there's only one season so far. I assume they'll do something else for season two. Well, it's only eight episodes, so you should go watch it and then, I don't know, come back here. Well, wait. It's podcast land. We have all the time in the world. Yeah. The next eight hours of audio is just dead silence here while you go watch Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency with commercials. This was a really large file for everybody to download. I'm sorry. We killed everybody's data plan. So it's a 2016 show. It was released on BBC America in the US and on Netflix everywhere else. It was created by Max Landis, who is a young upstart in the Hollywood community, most famously made Chronicle and also a YouTube video called The Death and Return of Superman, which is pretty funny. That also has Elijah Wood in it, like this show. Oh, that's probably how they know each other. Yeah. Elijah Wood obviously is in it. Samuel Barnett is Dirk Gently. Hannah Marks, J.D. Shett. And it's based on the novel of the same name by all time-lapse favorite author Douglas Adams, who wrote a couple episodes of Doctor Who and notably The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which started as a spec script for Doctor Who. No, Daniel, he was the story editor. Oh, man. He was, like, in charge of it. That dude, like, defines so much of my love of science fiction and time travel, to be honest. Yeah. Especially when you get into some of the later Hitchhikers, they really play a lot with time. But this actually, the show doesn't have a ton of callback to the novels, right? It's just, it was mostly Max Landis took the idea of this holistic detective and made a nice show out of it. So it's mostly Max Landis, though. Yeah. I like kind of want to compare the show to Wilfred, but that's mostly because Elijah Wood is visited by like a manic foreigner who's not necessarily a good influence for him. Yeah, not every buddy comedy with Elijah Wood as the straight man can be Wilfred, though. <laughs> Name other buddy comedies with Elijah Wood. Over the Garden Wall. I'll take it. Yep. Wow. Aston answered, damn, had that locked and loaded. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it basically has no similarities other than there is a character named Dirk Gently, So this is, on the surface, what Dirk Gently is about. By the way, we really are going to hella spoiler territory. And also, if you thought we were trying to be brief during Lost, there is not really a good way to encapsulate the whole of Dirk Gently. Please, please go watch it. It's so good. Yeah, I feel like the amount of lore in Dirk Gently is like two or three seasons worth of Lost lore, but like crammed into eight 45-minute episodes. Which is kind of how I want all TV to be, to be honest. Oh, God, it is. So in the pilot, Elijah Wood's character and hapless hero Todd Bratzman, he sees himself talking to someone about time travel before discovering a grisly murder in the hotel where he works. And so the crime that they present in the pilot is thus. Wealthy industrialist Patrick Spring is found murdered in a penthouse alongside a bunch of weird bald dudes with crossbows who've all been horrifically murdered. Like, horrifically murdered? Like, lightning chunks torn out of the furniture? And one dude gets bitten in half. Yeah, no, we do mean bit in half. And seemingly unrelated to that, his daughter Lydia Spring went missing a couple weeks before. And so the weirdest of all of this, Dirk was hired to take on the case of Patrick Spring's murder by Patrick Spring before it happened. 
I mean, spoilers to listeners of Time Lapse, it was time travel. Like, you're here for the time travel, so, like, spoilers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Todd is marked in a person of interest about this murder, and he's summarily fired, and his life hits rock bottom. But then he meets Dirk Gently, and Dirk Gently does not make his life any better. Dirk Gently is a holistic detective, and whenever anybody says holistic in this show, that means a little bit special. Yeah. He's a detective, sort of. He's very bad at being a detective. He's never solved any cases or really taken any before right now, but he's doing pretty good at this one, I think. Yeah, he doesn't really solve for clues. He just kind of stumbles back and forth between things that interest him, and eventually it comes up to something real and whole. Like, he doesn't search for clues. He just kind of does stuff and things happen. Yeah, his process is very chaos theory where everything's a clue everything's connected so if you just keep doing what you were going to do anyway eventually you'll solve the case which sounds really improbable but the whole point is that it works for Dirk Gently like that's the hook yeah Dirk Gently is like mildly psychic and possibly not really human like they kind of allude to the fact that he might be like some weird demigod type figure spirit thing I'm not gonna lie I think a lot of that is played up for jokes I think mostly he's just a little bit psychic and was raised by the CIA yeah the way this sign of manifests is that, like, Dirk just has these uncannily good instincts. Like, maybe not good might not be the best word. Uncanny. Yeah, because his instincts generally advance the plot, but will just as likely put you in mortal danger. Yeah, I mean, he's just really endearing. Like, yeah. Samuel Barnett just does a really good job. All of this increasingly improbable stuff, you're just taking it in stride because... Dirk is just so compelling to watch and so charismatic, and it's really great. Because of this mild psychicness, or maybe his mild psychicness is because he just sort of has this weird relationship with the universe and causality. Like, I, I assume that you can't kill him. I mean, they try a couple times. They try a couple times, and you just really can't. Like, everywhere Dirk goes, a cloud of, like, circumstantial weirdness follows or proceeds or just surrounds him. He's at the eye of, like, an uncanny storm. Yeah. Basically. And he just perpetually moves through life like that. And he's not the only one, right? So in the show, there's a Black Ops CIA initiative that trained a bunch of these mildly psychic people. And it's alluded to that there are many, many of them. But we really focus on Dirk and this one other one named Bart, who is a holistic assassin, who kills everyone she meets. Everyone she meets is her mission, and she's never killed anybody she wasn't supposed to. She kills a lot of people, and it turns out, just by happenstance, that every single person that she murders, and she kills a lot of them, all of them deserve to be killed or needed to be killed, and she's killed virtually everyone she's ever met. There's also the Rowdy Three, who are like emotion vampires. They like feed on Dirk's emotions and also Todd's sister's emotions. She has yeah. like... It's not really relevant, but the Rowdy Three are really great, and there's four of them, and... They're perfect. I love them. They're just, like, rad punk rock emotional vampires. They just have to, like, feed off of emotional energy. Just like my ex-husband. Hey. Ayy! Um, Neither of us have ever married. We don't want to get too involved with the other holistics. Holisticites? Uh. Holisticians? We don't want to spend a ton of time on them because the time travel really doesn't involve that. Again, go see the show. There's more that we can cover, but we're here for the time travel, right? There's hints of it in the first episode, but it mostly takes place all during the seventh episode. It's called Weaponized Soul. Which is actually referring to a kitten who's a kitten with the soul of an electric shark, which comes up in the 
time travel plot later. We'll get there. Yeah. So there's like a really big expo dump at the beginning of the episode that kind of explains the weird murder and everything that's happening so far. And they do it in this kind of drunk history. You've seen that. You mean where the actors play it out, but when the narrator stumbles through a sentence and paraphrases, they're lip syncing along with it. Yes. That is actually one of my favorite things it's, on it's television. It's an amazing bit. So the story goes, in the 1880s, inventor Zachariah Webb tried to invent a time machine. As you do. And he fucked up and accidentally sent the machine in the future. As you do. And he gets the machine back and is like, oh shit, people have used this machine. Something's gone terribly wrong. So he goes into the future to find out what happens and ends up in the 1960s where he meets a bunch of hippies who found his machine and instead started to use it to move souls from their bodies into different bodies to like gain power and stay young forever. Because that's how time machines work. Yeah, of course, obviously. Point is, there's a body-switching cult. It's very Malkovich, Malkovich. So he can't get his original time machine back to fix this whole problem. So he gets used to life in the 60s and takes the name Edgar Spring, and so then he realizes that he needs more money and power, so he makes some sound investments and then jumps into the 1980s to collect on them and reinvents himself as his son, Patrick Spring. As you definitely do. So he meets a woman, they have a daughter together, Lydia Spring, but the hippies who had the machine kill his wife. So Patrick, nay Edgar, nay Zachariah, jumps to present day 2016 to take them off guard and kill them, I guess, using a set of dope steampunk armor. Yeah, they'll never see it coming when you attack 30 years later with steampunk armor. Ah, it's like 15 years later. To be honest, wouldn't see that coming. Definitely would not see that coming. And so he kills a bunch of them, and then he traces their leader back to the hotel penthouse, where an older Patrick Spring is already there negotiating for the release of Lydia Spring, who had been kidnapped, and her soul was currently put into a little corgi. Oh, it's so cute. I actually met that corgi. You met the Corgi? I met the Corgi from Dirk Gently. What? She was at Corgi Beach Day. Can we get the Corgi from Dirk Gently on the show? Yeah. Let's call her up. We got Malcolm. We can do it. (laughs) So then Patrick Spring, the younger one, not the older one who's negotiating for his daughter's release, the younger one accidentally causes the death of his future self and all those people in the room by making one of the bad guys drop the kitten that has the shark in it and the shark goes crazy and kills a bunch of people. Which is how that guy gets bit in half. Yeah. But all that couldn't happen unless the hippies in the 60s had the time machine because they need the time machine to switch souls. So one time machine is a soul switcher and then the other one also does something weird. Uh, One of them is an infinite energy machine. That's the one. He uses it as a perpetual energy machine and that's how he makes his money. Yeah. That's right. But they're both time machines just like plugged in improperly, which I think is really cool. Yeah. The idea that, like, because it's technology they're not familiar with, they don't know quite how it works, but they can jerry-rig it to do something else. And that starts a whole chain. I don't know if you've ever listened to Ars Paradoxica, Misha, but... No, I haven't. What is that? One of my favorite plot points there is Sally Grissom was never intending to build a time machine. She was trying to build something else and accidentally created a time machine. And I love, in real science, the fact that we just kind of find things out of not the thing we were originally searching for. Like microwave ovens. Exactly like microwave ovens. Microwaves were used as communicate radar? Yeah. Radar in the 1940s, and then... The apocryphal story is that a engineer walked in front of a microwave while it was going, and it melted a chocolate bar in his pocket, and he said, oh, and that's how we have microwave ovens. But so then after Patrick causes his own future death, he realizes that we're living in a fixed time universe. Actually, Elijah Wood figures it out for him. A notable example of the hapless protagonist actually figuring out how time travel works before the rest of the characters do. Well, it's also nice because Patrick Strang is really motivated by this whole, like, I'm going to save her. I'm going to change time. And like, you can't. You can't. You can't change your fate. 
Patrick realizes that we're living in a fixed time universe, and so everything that has had and will happen will always happen. So then he returns to the 2000s to live out the rest of his days, only to then later hire Dirk to solve the murder. And that's how time travel worked in Dirk Gently, which is what the whole problem was about. That was just a whole lot, and we were cutting a lot for time. We didn't even talk about Patrick Spring's bodyguard, and... The weird animal stuff, how the souls, with the moving of the souls. Anything about how the soul-switching cult works, and like, one of them being a former rock star. There's just a lot to do. It is a big show, but you already know that, having already seen the program. But is it any good? I mean, I think it is, and I believe you think it is. I do, otherwise I wouldn't have wanted to talk about it. This is fixed time in the most beautiful fashion, where, yes... None of it could happen unless any of it happens. But that's kind of Dirk Gently's whole deal, is that nothing happens to him unless it happens to him, and then it was always meant to happen to him. So I feel like the character necessitates a fixed-time universe and a fixed-time story in a really neat way. Yeah, and they try to keep the time travel bits of it comfortably contained. Like, obviously the prime motivator of the story is time travel, but the events that happen to the characters aren't all time travel based. They try to keep the time travel to the one place where you can do time travel. Fixed time is almost always the most narratively sound option, but you really have to use it very sparingly. Yeah, you pretty much have to make sure that the only uses of time travel eventually complete the loop, because if you add any more in there, it just gets super complicated super quickly and a lot of people lose the thread. And you have to make sure that the characters who like know of the future are either compelled to ensure that the future happens, or fate slash the universe has to conspire against them to ensure that they happen anyway. Which is really great for Dirk Gently, because he's all about that fate guide me stuff. So if fate's guiding him and fate says time travel happens, Dirk Gently's down for the ride. There's this really wonderful moment at the end where Bart also has a sidekick. Ken? He's an electrical engineer who works for shady people. And for a long time, it doesn't come up at all, except for that Bart decides not to kill him, and that's important. But all this time, he's following her and going on this odyssey, and then at the very end, they need an electrical engineer to fix the time machine, and he walks in and goes, this is what they hired me to build. And it's this beautiful, conspiring moment. And that actor, by the way, Mpo Kuaho? Yeah, Mpo Kuaho does a fantastic job. He's a brilliant actor. His face is so expressive. He's also in The Expanse. Oh. He was really good in The Expanse. I've been meaning to watch that. Maybe by the time this has come out, I've already watched it. Dirk gently kind of satirizes mystery novels where all the stories, seemingly unrelated events, all connect to each other in this sometimes ham-fisted way, like that separate B-plot you've been watching the whole time, turns out that was totally connected to the A-plot. In Dirk Gently, it is, in flashing green neon sign, everything is connected. Everything that happens is connected to everything else. Just that conceit that anything happening, by the necessity of it happening, means it's important, is really fun as an audience member, going, yeah. oh, that can't possibly be important, that's a dumb bit for, like, goofs. And no, it turns out it's super important because everything's important, because everything's connected, are you paying attention? Things that ask if the audience is paying attention are my favorite media. I know your favorite movie, the one that starts with, are you watching closely? Yeah. That's the main conceit that Dirk Gently takes from the Dirk Gently novel. Being a holistic detective. Yeah. Part of the fun is that, you know, all of this does come together as part of a larger whole. I want to talk about this because there's a Arthur Conan Doyle short story called How Watson Learned the Trick, 
where Watson claims that he's learned the great detective skills and he makes all these brilliant Holmesian deductions about Sherlock. And then Sherlock summarily explains that all those deductions are completely wrong. And it was highlighted in this piece by Graham Moore. He wrote The Imitation Game. It's a piece about writing characters who are smarter than you. I'll throw that in the corrections probably. It's a very relevant article for me because I'm not very smart. Um, and Sally Grissom is, or is Paradoxica.com. Anyway, he talks about how the brilliance of Sherlock Holmes, who is the blueprint for the entire detective mystery genre, comes from the fact that Sherlock's deductions aren't because he's the smartest guy in the room. They're because the author already knows what the correct deductions are. I mean, at the same time, Dirk Gently is a great example of that and a great send-up of that because rather than go, oh, I know exactly how this happened, Dirk is always going, I have no idea, but it doesn't matter because it makes sense. As long as it makes sense to you, the audience, not all the characters have to understand what's going on, Dirk especially, and as long as there is a comfortable resolution, then he's basically done his job as a holistic detective. But that's also a really good send-up of time travel narratives, right? Because with fixed time stories, the whole point of them is like, this is fixed time, this is what time is, and no matter what you try to do you can't change it and a lot of my criticisms are why you know what i talk about on time lapse is always like why does it work that way it doesn't logically follow and this story says doesn't fucking matter what logically follows what is is what is and there's really no point in questioning it in a way that is satisfying for me as a watcher where i just go yeah okay yeah misha and i are really down with quasi mystical bullshit you just have to not take itself so seriously like I feel like a lot of the pitfall is when you try to take your magical bullshit really really seriously and then falter with the rules yeah if you're not taking yourself seriously I don't care if the rules hold up because it's just silly and it's just fun which is not to say that the rules of Dirk Gently don't hold up they absolutely do they're just set up in a way with enough wiggle room that like if it's a goof it's a goof Dirk Gently is a lot of fun. It's a really good show. I know you've already seen it because otherwise, why are you listening to this episode? Spoilers! We just spoiled the whole show for you. Literally all the mysteries. Uh, not all the mysteries. Okay, I will say one other thing that really feeds into my love of this show is because it's fixed time, because these people are sort of agents of destiny, not only does Dirk not know what's going on, most of the time not only does todd the audience insert not know what's going on most of the time but no one does and there's this really great scene where the head of the body switching cult and dirk and todd are on a bridge doing a classic hostage trade-off and the cult leader starts being like who are you who is she why did you burn my house down? And Dirk Gently's like, I burnt your house down? What? Did that happen? I don't know. And there's just this big, wonderful puddle of confusion. It's my favorite scene in television. I love basically that same scene later when he has them at gunpoint. And he's like, why were you there? What are you doing? I don't understand. Where you would normally have like a big villain monologue where he explains everything that's going on. He is just as confused as everyone else. Which is nice because it reflects a truth about the world. Which is that everyone is confused and scared and no one knows what's going on at any point in time which i feel like really speaks to a mid-2010s millennial audience in a big way we hope you had a good time on time lapse this week send us your questions for the mailbag at timelapsepod at gmail.com we have been getting some really really great questions i'm really excited to do the mailbag it looks like you won't have to do homestuck after all Daniel. oh thank god <laughs> Jeez, please keep sending them in we have a few we have maybe enough to do an episode i'm not sure we've never done anything like this before but the more we have the more rapid fire and like goofy it can be so if you want a funnier show send us more things timelapsepod at gmail.com you can also hit us up on twitter i'm at misha etc i'm at manual danning 
Oh, our theme song, which I don't always talk about, is Leather Ice Cream by Eno Friedman Broadman. Check out his stuff, enomusic.bandcamp.com. And on the off chance you don't listen to Ars Paradoxica somehow, do that? Yeah, it's it's a pretty good time travel, if yeah. you like that sort of thing, which we have to assume you do at this point. Um, that's really going to do it for this episode of Time Lapse. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, until then, we'll see you when we see ya. God damn it. Time Lapse. <laughs> A product of the Whisper Forge. Sound and story.